This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Jessica Nordell, a science journalist and the author of the book, The End of Bias, A Beginning, a solutions journalism look at overcoming unconscious bias and discrimination. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. Would you read our final letter before I let you out of here? Absolutely. The subject here is it's all okay. My girlfriend and I were both queer women had very different upbringings. She grew up in what I would consider a physically and verbally abusive evangelical household. She thinks her parents took her coming out well because they didn't disown her, but they forbade her from speaking about it to the extended family. They have strained phone calls a few times a year, and she visits about once a year. They are in Europe. I was raised by gentle parents who didn't blink when I came out. They are vaguely Lutheran, but in a social justice and Christmas services way. I remain very close to my parents, siblings, and extended family, despite living in another state. She's met my siblings, and that went great. We've been together for seven months, and I would like to introduce her to my parents, who already know about her. She says she wants to meet them, too, and I arranged for a quiet dinner together at a restaurant she likes. They'll fly out for the weekend, have dinner with us, and then we'll do tourist activities that my girlfriend is welcome to join or not. The date is later in April, but she's already wildly anxious. She asks me nearly twice a week about what she should wear or if there are off-limits topics. She's particularly fixated on the faith thing that they'll see her as bad for having left her faith and on a fear that they'll disown me for dating a woman or somehow hurt me. I'm not worried about any of these things. They've always taken warmly to my ex-girlfriends. I worry that she doesn't actually feel ready and her anxiety is born from that, but she swears she wants to meet them. Is there anything I can do to de-escalate this anxiety? Oh, my heart. I just really, uh, you know, feel for the letter writer and her girlfriend. And I just want to like transmit as much warmth um, and and support as I possibly can at them. Mm. My sense here is that the letter writer is already doing good things and has not done in anything uh, unhelpful, that there's only so much that she can do to deal with or help her girlfriend deal with her anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but so mostly I think my advice is going to boil down to stay the course, expect some moments of anxiety, no matter what you do, that you just, you know, that's just a fact of her upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts here beyond simply a variation on that? Any any thoughts along like what could they specifically do or if there's anything she should avoid? Yeah, you know, I, as a proud alum of couples therapy, I would say uh, – communication, communication, communication. I mean, when letter writer asks, is there anything I can do to escalate this anxiety? My first thought was invite your girlfriend to go for a walk, find a lovely park or a relaxing place to walk and ask that question, you know, say, I love you. I'm here for you. I sense a lot of anxiety. Can you help me understand 
Can you help me understand more about this anxiety? You know, how much of this is about meeting my parents for the first time and the big, this is a big step in a relationship? How much is this connected to your own difficult experiences with your own family? Is there anything I can do to help? You know, is there, are there assurances you need? Like, I think that there are so many questions that could really open up some opportunities to, to at least talk about the anxiety, if not, you know, alleviate it completely. Yeah. You know, I think the only thing that I would add to that is to be prepared for your girlfriend, not to have a lot of, um, thought out answers to those questions. It sounds like she's, you know, only now becoming conscious of some of them. So, you know, she might be as at sea as you are, which is not a bad thing. It's, you know, it's where she's at. But I think that, you know, expecting, uh, having, you know, low expectations of how conscious she might be of some of these anxieties and, and to what degree she might be aware of, you know, given that she has historically kind of underplayed her her parents, uh, you know, intense homophobia, mm-hmm. um, she might not be yet able to say like, yeah, this is only now I'm coming to realize just how badly my parents have treated me and it makes me worry that the worst is going to happen. Um, so just, you know, I go into that with an open mind and maybe um, – don't necessarily assume that she'll have a really concrete answer yet. I think it's not a question of like, oh, she would need to get more ready by somehow doing more emotional work on her own before she's ready to meet them. I just think, you know, she has a pretty brutal family of origin experience and she is still in some contact with them, which is difficult. Mm -hmm. And that will, that will just be the baseline for whatever happens next. But I think obviously like leaving room for her to change her mind if she just decides like, nope, not ready to meet anyone else's parents right now. I think uh, it will be good. You know, Mm -hmm. if nothing else, it will be a chance to see generally polite, kind, affirming people at dinner. And Mm -hmm. even if that brings up a lot of big feelings for her, at least you can kind of go in saying like, you know, maybe prepare for afterwards. Like we're going to have dinner for, you know, an hour and a half. And at the end of that, you and I are going to get to go take a walk. Or if your girlfriend loves having a little alone time, we'll go take a walk and then you'll get to go be alone. And then we can meet up again after an hour and talk about how that went or or whatever you think might work for her, you know, Um, some way to sort of like have a heart out. So you know when it's going to be over. Uh, And that also, you know, allows for the two of you to check in just with each other, just one-on-one, maybe later that night, maybe the next day. Um, because she might not know how she's going to react. She might go in and be like, oh, that was better than I realized. I love them. I feel really close to them. I feel really moved to have met like affirming parents. Or she might feel like, I feel like a tidal wave of emotions has just crashed over me. And I just saw how much worse my family is by comparison. And I realized Mm -hmm. like what I've been missing. And so, you know, be ready for, uh, you know, any, and, and it might not be either of those things. She might just be like, yeah, they were nice. I was worried. I didn't need to be, she, you know, she might not be, uh, you know, cascading tears at you. I just think that it's nice to kind of go in assuming something big might come up and that will be okay. Yeah. I mean, when I was I just like kind of rereading the response, I don't, when, you know, wildly anxious could mean there could be a lot of different expressions of wildly anxious, but I was also thinking, gosh, I wonder if there's a little bit of a trauma response happening. You know, sometimes if there's something that is so traumatic that's happened in, in a person's history and it hasn't really been completely processed yet that that then that can get expressed as extreme anxiety when something triggers that in the in the present so that's just it just occurred to me that there might be some of that happening as well yeah i think my other thought would be and certainly check in with your girlfriend before you say anything to your parents but you might say to her you know would it 
make you feel more at ease if I let them know you were a little anxious? Or would that make you feel too vulnerable? Because if you say too vulnerable, I won't say anything to them. Um, and if you think that it would help lift some of the tension, I will say something to them in advance. I'm only offering this as a service. I'm not trying to like give away your <laughs> secrets or expose you to the straight people. Because um, I, I could see it going really either way. But like I'm available to do a little prep work or lay a little groundwork if you think that that would help. And, you know, give her a little time to think about it. And then if she does do that, you can even bring up the possibility of maybe not at the first dinner where we're all just getting to know each other. But if that goes well, you and I have a little processing time afterwards. And then, you know, the next day I'm going to like stroll around the park with my parents and you decide you do feel up for joining. Maybe I could facilitate a conversation whereby we talk a little bit about how they manage to combine, uh, you know, loose religious affiliation with not being homophobic monsters. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to use that language, obviously, but, uh, you know, she might find like, it would actually be really nice to hear from someone who's like, yeah, I'm Lutheran and I like gay people and here's how I do both of those things without exploding. Again, she might hear that and be like, that's way too much intimacy, way too fast, <laughs> or I would just like cry. I don't mean to suggest that that's like you need to all four start couples therapy as a as a group <laughs> uh, the day you meet. But sometimes it does help to say, I'm a little freaked out. My experience with religious people is that they hate me and tell me I'm awful and I feel grateful when they don't disown me. And so this is kind of my first time like getting potentially close with parental-like figures. Um, and I don't know what it's going to look like. The other thing that kind of occurs to me um, along the lines of just sort of figuring out if there's a way to create a, a comfortable container for this encounter is um, if there's too much vulnerability involved in actually like talking about it I, I'm with the parents. I wonder if, I mean, I dinner is kind of an intense way to meet people because you're mm. there's nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just like it's head on, you know, sort of face to face staring encounter. at each other. Um, mm -hmm. It occurs to me like I wonder if there would be another way of kind of previewing the encounter that's like a little yes. bit less um a le less intense static. less static yeah maybe it's like i don't know maybe would it be more comfortable to like go for a walk with them for i don't know a half an hour or do an activity together yeah. um that's like a little bit less just face to face interaction that could be kind of a way to ease into meeting them i don't know maybe yeah. I think that's a great thought. And I realize like they've already made the dinner plan, so that might feel uh, additionally anxiogenic. But just in case, you could always throw out the possibility of, what if I get dinner with my parents and then we meet up for ice cream and walking? Mm -hmm. um, you know, do like a classic old school Aaron Sorkin walk and talk <laughs> where you're not being stared at like it's a job interview. Um, and again, if she's like, nope, dinner's going to be great. I'm just going to be kind of anxious no matter what we do. That's fine. There's no one way to do this that's going to like perfectly reduce her anxiety just because anything short of giving her an entirely new childhood is not going to really address the underlying issue. But I think just like take her anxiety as an understandable matter of course, given where she's at with her own family. Um, if all she's doing right now is asking you twice a week about what she should wear, I don't think that's like so debilitating that you need to like raise the issue of like, you should probably also talk to a therapist about this or like, this is so big. We need to like rope some of our friends into helping us because I feel overwhelmed. Um, so, you know, I think that the best thing, honestly, is just to meet them and to, in whatever uh, degree feels appropriate to her and also your parents, uh, uh, talk about this stuff occasionally and a little bit and within like safe and limited and prescribed amounts. Um, I think, frankly, the best thing for her anxiety is just going to be spending a little more time around your family and and really seeing, okay, 
this is the third time I've met them and they really haven't thrown a Bible at me yet. And they haven't, you know, suddenly flared up and said like, how dare you bring up that topic? I'm furious now. And like, just the more time she spends with them and realizes that they're not going to do that, the better she will probably feel about spending time with them. I think that's it. I'm My sorry. My heart goes out yeah. to these two. This is, I, we're thinking of you. Good luck. <laughs> it's, it, yeah. It's, yeah. 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 Good luck. And I, I think you're doing everything great. I don't think any of what we've suggested is like going to be a huge about face for you. So I think you're already on a great track. Um, and that's that's it. I, I simply have a brief uh, update to read if you if you don't mind my doing so before I say goodbye to you and yeah. you say goodbye to me. So this is about a, a letter I, I answered a few weeks back where just like really offhand they had referenced going to a concert and that their father had driven them and I'd sort of been struck by in my own childhood whenever we went to concerts well before we could drive. It was always somebody's dad who drove and I, I wondered if anyone's mother had ever taken them to a concert. And so I, I have since gotten answers on the subject. Uh, and here's one of those letters. I attended two Backstreet Boys concerts with my mother in the late 1990s. It was always going to be mom who drove me and my sister to a large city two hours away because my dad is not the best at navigating, even in places he's familiar with. Also, I don't think my mom trusted him to keep track of us very well in a large arena. I hope he has other good qualities. I was about 11 and my sister was 14. Probably most importantly, she became a Backstreet Boys fan herself, so she didn't want to miss seeing them in concert. Thank you so much, letter writer. I am so glad to hear that there were some um, mom chauffeurs at Backstreet Boys concerts in the late 1990s. It's possible that I ran into you at one of them. Um, I definitely feel like I went to like the, I can't remember any of the radio call stations of my youth, but like I want to say B96 was the Chicago station that I remember playing uh, them the most and I think sponsored some of their concerts. So maybe I saw you at B96, letter writer. Thank you. You know, that's funny. I remember now that I, you, you mentioned it, I went to a lot of YMCA dances in Green Bay, Wisconsin in the 90s and 80s. And it was always the dads that would pick us up. I never thought about that before. You're so right. I thought I thought you were going to say that it was also sponsored by B96. And I was going to be very <laughs> surprised. But I think I think Green Bay was slightly outside of the Chicagoland uh, radio stations. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm hardly, uh, you know, getting any new information out there when I say like, yeah, when I grew up in the, you know, mostly white suburbs in the 80s and 90s, mostly dads of our heterosexual couplings drove. Uh, not uncommon, not not brand new information, but still, it's always nice to um, to hear more about how that played out for others. Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with a guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form, or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>